Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Be afraid, be very, very afraid. The word uh, for searched is actually, it, it, it means kind of like excavated, like you would excavate a site. Um, I saw one person translate it as, oh, Lord, you dig me. <laughs> and that's kind of it. You know, God digs us. But God also digs us. And there's a certain amount of wonder at really being fully known. And there's a terror that we're wonderfully and fearfully made of being truly and utterly known. Most of us don't want to be that known. One of the problems of getting married is you spend all this time with your spouse who quickly becomes to know you in really intimate ways and things that you say, I'm going to keep these things hidden over a course of a lifetime. How many years has it been now? 60? 57. Newlyweds. So even the newlyweds after 57 years, there's still things you're learning about each other. Yes, kind of, a little bit, maybe not. 57 years, you kind of know it by now. It's like, yeah, okay, I got it. But every once in a while, Mary and I will have been married 23 years, and every once in a while, she'll say something. It's like, what? I didn't know that. Or I'll know something about her, and I'll think I'll know why she thinks it or, or lives it or whatnot, and then I'll find out it's for a reason completely opposite to what I thought. It's like, wow. And then I'll do the same thing, you know, because you become comfortable, and you'll slip. And it's like, oops, I just revealed something I didn't want to reveal. And, and the thing with God is God excavates us, searches us, and knows us. I mean, part of the image here, really, it's like going through um, LaGuardia Airport, you know, where, all right, put your bag up here, and they're, and they're rummaging through your stuff. And you don't think you have anything you're not supposed to have, but you're not sure because the last time you left your, what, those stupid little clippers? And they pull out the clippers and a little knife that's on those little clippers that, you know, I suppose if you got somebody for 30 minutes, you might be able to cause some bloodletting. And, and you just feel, oof. And, and, then, and then something gets triggered and you walk through and it's like, okay, they, they see something, they're not sure what it is. And then and you go over and somebody frisks you in a way that you do not want to be frisked. I mean, it's like this person almost got to third base, and I'm really uncomfortable with that. You have searched me and known me. It says God hems us in. And I, I remember Michael when Michael was little. I can talk about Michael because he's not here. But Michael was one of those babies that um, he, he, we, we had to wrap him like a burrito. You know, we had to wrap him so snug and so tight. And he loved it. Once he was really swaddled, I mean really, really swaddled, we'd lay him down and he would just get this smile and eventually he would fall asleep. Now fast forward and, and someone like me, and I, I get claustrophobic. How many of you have claustrophobia? I remember having to, uh, to go to school sometimes. We'd take a car, and this was back in the days when you would you'd put 15 teenagers in one car. And I was always one of the youngest, so I was always on the bottom, in the middle, with the thing. And I, you literally couldn't breathe. I mean, you couldn't move. It was synchronized breathing. When they breathe, you breathe. And, 
and I would just, every once in a while, I would just have this absolute flat-out panic attack. Because it's like, I am hemmed in from behind and, and before, and I can't move. And the word for, um, you know, hemmed in, in in the Hebrew is actually is like laid siege to. You're under siege. You are, it's like God's outside the gate, and it's like, you're not going anywhere without me. Without me. And it's this terrifying process until you realize that the one who hems you in already knows you. I knit you together. I crocheted you when you were in your mother's womb. There is not a thought in your head that I have not already heard. When the, when the train of your words leave the station of your mouth, I know them already. Where can I go from your presence, O God? If I ascend to the highest heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths of Sheol, the land of the dead, if I crawl under the bed and turn out the lights, even the darkness is not dark to you, darn it. Where can I go? And I, I read that, and I start to feel that kind of that claustrophobic feeling. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The hardness of God is gentler than the softness of you and I. God knows us already. God accepts us unconditionally already as we are right now and that is probably the scariest thought of all as we are right now god knows every little thing about us and when you know only a sliver of somebody you can really dislike them i mean if you just if you only know this about a person you could say oh i don't like that but once you get to know the whole life i've never met a person where i didn't say wow that person is ultra, eminently lovable. And I don't have God's vision. I don't have God's perspective. But we are terrified at times of letting people see us for who we really are. And we are just absolutely afraid that what people see isn't who we see. Bonhoeffer was in prison for his resistance to the Nazis and he wrote, uh, he later some papers from prison, but he would write about how people would see him as brave and strong and courageous and this, and this, this voice of reason in, in, a, in a sea of insanity. And he saw himself as being scared and frightened. And he felt like a little bird that was in danger of dying. And he saw his thoughts and he saw the discrepancies and he says am i this today and am i that tomorrow am i these things and he said it, it just depressed him but god sees all of that sees all of that and guess what god thinks of us this is not a rhetorical question still loves us no accounting for taste and that makes us really, un it's, it's interesting. Uh, um, I've read some uh, theologians who say 
You know, as long as God's an abstract concept that's out there, we're okay with that. God's an abstract idea. God's an idea of goodness. And, you know, God's out there. And then you've got Jesus come down and he looks at you with those eyes. And the woman, the Samaritan woman said, I just met a man who, who knows everything I've ever done and excavated me with his eyes. And that, my friends, is why he had to go. We don't like to be known. We put him in a tomb. We put a rock in front of the tomb. Go back to where you belong. We don't want you here with us. It's too intimate. It's too scary. It's too much. And Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. Is that a promise or a threat? You know, really, read that again. Lo, I am with you till the end of the age. Oh, gosh, I thought we had that one taken care of. Guess not. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are searched and known and unconditionally loved, and we just need to live it. We just need to accept it that for all of our flaws, and, and, and the best thing we could ever do, and we'll never do it, I understand that, we'll never do it, but if we could just live as if we had our flaws, you know how free we would be? What's the first thing an alcoholic has to do? Hi, I'm Bob, I'm an alcoholic. I had a, uh, Mary and I have a clergy colleague who, um, she has a, a strange psychological condition where she's incapable of hurting anybody else, so she turns all of her anger, all of her resentment inward. She cuts. So first stage of her therapy was writing all of her friends and saying, I have a problem, I cut myself. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine all the guys who are, are secretly um, afraid of something just saying, I'm terrified of this. All the women who just secretly afraid of this saying, I'm terrified by this. This is who I am. I live in fear. And that is who we are. And God looks at us and God says, oh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and I love you unconditionally as you are. And there will be a time, like Samuel, when God says, I've loved you unconditionally, and now it's time for you to do something for me. And not just for me, but for, for, for us all. And the question is, is do we have the courage to accept ourselves for who we are? Will we allow ourselves to love ourselves the way God loves us? Can we do that? Because until we can do that, we cannot say with Samuel, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or we can't say with the prophet Isaiah, Here I am, Lord, send me. We're going to do what I did, like Jonah told East to go, you know, go west by land, goes east by sea. That's me. We have been searched, we have been excavated, and God digs us. God digs us. 
and we are to dig one another and live as people of grace and mercy and peace. Amen.